0: When people now ask me if I like football I say yes, I do like football But not Burnley Burnley can fuck off That's a dreadful ball And Chelsea could be in here with Duff Who goes for goal and scores Finds the back of the net Henry What a goal Inspiration For Arsenal From Thierry Henry Miller. For oh, what a hit, what a the Ghost Goal
1: Podcast. Hey, does anyone remember that game, The Floor is Lava? Well, with this year, the top four is lava as Tottenham, Manchester United, Arsenal and Chelsea all slipped up in opportunities to take a head start in the uh, last four game stretch for top four. Tottenham lost at Manchester City for the second time in a week, but none of that mattered because Manchester United followed it up with a four nil thumping away at Everton themselves. Arsenal had a shock loss at home to Crystal Palace and Chelsea managed to slip up themselves and only drew Burnley 2-2 at home. I'm Alex here with Javier in the Ghost Goal podcast. Andrew is off for this pod, but we're going to look at all of the weekend's action and then look ahead to a pretty stacked midweek coming down to the wire here in the Premier League. Uh, We've got Tottenham-Brighton, Watford-Southampton, Wolves-Arsenal, and Manchester United-Manchester City. A a huge game in Manchester City's uh, hopes to uh, retain their title with uh, Liverpool refusing to lose also. And uh, Manchester United after, well, reeling really. Heading into a big derby uh, with their rivals and uh, needing to win to maintain their chances or whatever slim chances they have of top four uh, keeping them alive. Javier, welcome. we got a pretty stacked episode this week. Uh, Do you want to get started with the Manchester City Tottenham results? Uh, Recapping, Saturday morning, Phil Foden scored the only goal of the game in the fifth minute. I'm just going to admit, I was a bad boy. I slept through this one. I woke up initially, started watching it, fell asleep. Uh, I don't know why Because there's tons of action Son missed a couple chances Yeah, it was a great game Sterling Even missed a couple chances it was just chances. 1-0
0: It was still uh, super, super tense and, and close the whole time Because, you know As the game went on City didn't get a second goal The tension grew and grew Because you knew Oh, if Tottenham get a goal here Like that's it. Like so Liverpool, whole title title races. Races, that could just be the title race. So yeah, it was. It was really nervy for City, and like you could tell that like City were like still confident, but like they really didn't want to mess up. They were just keeping the ball as much as they could, and you know Tottenham. They knew they were in it the whole time. They they missed a lot of chances. They definitely could have equalized, and and I mean City missed some chances too. But you would have thought that they would have been a little bit more defensively sound than they were. Tottenham just really were wasteful this game and and in these three games they've they've shown that City you know they're not a hundred percent you know sound defensively especially when Fernandinho isn't a hundred percent or playing in the you know, in the base of that midfield so I'm- yeah well the other big changes are Stones came into the uh, the back
1: four instead of Company. he played next to Laporte uh, Walker kept his place at right back and then Zinchenko played at left back instead of Mendy. Now, there's maybe some blame to go on Pep for starting Mendy in that Champions League quarterfinal when he, I think he'd only played one game before that, the Palace game the previous weekend. I think you might have overthought that there and thought that Mendy just would have been back at like peak level in that Champions League game.
0: Yeah. I mean, he definitely got worked uh, on that side. So, but. Because Zinchenko's played a lot more. Yeah. And Zinchenko's looked good. I've liked how he's looked in the team. And. I think he he drops into midfield and plays like a kind of another holding midfielder role and it's really really good to have both him and Fernandinho being able to like control that that space when he doesn't like have to defend the left wing as much especially because Laporte is just such a dominant defender on that side so yeah it's I I like Zinchenko um I don't know why he thought Mendy was going to play in that Champions League game but I think the reason why they were able to at least, Sano, so- so- I think, was kept more quiet than... You know, he didn't score in this game, and he had a couple he chances. He had two really good chances, yeah. though.
1: Two really good ones. That, As someone who triple-captained him in fantasy this week, it was pretty frustrating to go back and see those chances and think you couldn't take advantage of one of yeah, those. Yeah,
0: I, see, I thought about using the triple-captain this week, but... There's there's too many tricky fixtures like this, and I knew I was going to be. It's a the last double game
1: week, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but Where you there's know, two we're fixtures just, in the same. Yeah,
0: week. but you know, you got you got Liverpool home to Huddersfield next week, so you got to think, you know, four, five, six goals probably going in. Gotta, there's going to be a triple captain usage there,
1: Alex. All right, well, more on that next week, I guess. Uh, we've got this pod and a preview pod before uh, we find out what happens there. Uh, but a good win for Manchester City. They really needed the win, I, I think. Mentioning Phil Foden, obviously he scored the goal. I, I don't want to say it was like super uh, out of left field because they did. Have, Man City did have to rotate like someone. They played a lot of their strongest lineup. De Bruyne kept his place. De Bruyne got DeBruyne hurt. That was
0: like another big storyline of this did. game.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: De Bruyne I mean, lo- like limped out of this game. So yeah, that's really you rough hate for to that. see that. Yeah, you hate to see that because he was definitely back. Someone who wants them and... to win
1: the title. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, and Aguero kind of came off, and Jesus didn't really look that great. The other thing is, like, Sané, I, I don't know what's going on with Sané, because he was flying earlier in the season, playing really well, and now he's just kind of been dropped from Pep's team. You know, he's been playing more off of the bench, but just not really contributing at all, so... Yeah, it just feels like maybe he's going to move there's on. There's a this whole summer.
1: lot to be unpacked. Yeah, there's, there's a whole Something's lot. Something's be happening unpacked. behind the scenes there. We've mentioned that with him before, and there's been like stories. I think in previous summers where his Germany teammates and like the, some of his Manchester City teammates said that he doesn't change his uh, effort level, like d- depending on what the score is. He just plays the same way, like throughout the game, and that's like it. It sounded terrible at the time, but that that same thing has been lobbed at. Some other really really good players, like a lot of people say that about Eden Hazard, but it's 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 something to keep in the back of your mind that like things aren't all rosy uh, for Sané's time at Manchester City. But you know he's still just by far one of their most like promising players. I think he's only like twenty three still, maybe twenty two. He's if they manage to keep hold of him and uh, make him Sterling and uh, eventually Jesus work uh, when Aguero and David Silva and all those players move on. That's a great core that will have like Premier League winning experience already and have like a history at the club that they can build off that. But yeah, I mean Sorry, we'll, yeah, we'll I see mean, what I, happens comes. Not
0: Jesus. I was thinking of Sané, like when Sané came on, he was he was just kind of underwhelming and this is the most time he's gotten in in the three games. I think over the three games he only got about 45 minutes. Over the three games of Tottenham yeah, that's just well, not enough time.
1: Well, I mean, at this point, you can't bench either Sterling or Bernardo Silva. You know, they're, those two have separated themselves from Sane and Mares as the two best wing options for City, right? You know, yeah, and I mean- with his off the ball like defensive work, and Sterling for his goal scoring and overall like pace and creative creativity. And you know, Aguero speaks for himself; his record speaks for himself. So, I mean, I don't really blame Pep for kind of sidelining Sané in three of the biggest games of the season. I wouldn't be surprised to see him sidelined against United. I mean, it might be the right game to bring him in and uh, just let his pace run at United's tired legs because they've played plenty of games too, but... Uh, you, you never know. The son is he, he's a real uh, streaky player also. He, he goes through five or six game runs where he's just And I want to unplayable. talk a little bit
0: about Tottenham too, just because they had Gazaniga in this game, not Lloris, and it led to a lot of... They also had Juan Foyth, Ben Davis starting, uh, Eric Dyer, who hadn't played in a while. Is Davidson Sanchez really at right wing back? Yeah. He was listed at right yep. wing back. He, uh, it was Juan Foyth. Juan Foyth oh, okay. was the right wing back, and... I actually thought he played pretty well, especially at the first half. Um, In the second half, he he fell off a little bit, but... I thought this was a very makeshift team from Pochettino, but I was impressed. I was impressed they were able to keep it at 1 0 with this, you know, Juan Foyth, Gazaniga, because Gazaniga made, like, especially in the first half, he made a few errors, a just nervous saves. errors where you were just like. But he, he made up for it. He had a couple yeah, of, had, like, he great had a few nice saves later on. But in the first half, it was, like, very nervy, and you could tell that Tottenham weren't used to playing with, you know, Ben Davis, Foyth. you know, even Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer was, this was, he, it was a really bad game for him. He's. He's definitely been, I think, since the World Cup, the most underperforming like England player returning. Delhi Halli hasn't been great either, but Eric Dyer uh, has uh, just I, been like. I will see absence. your Eric
1: Dyer, and I will raise you a Kieran Trippier.
0: <laughs> well, Trippier was still equally, really good in the first half of the season. I don't think
1: so. I, I he got think like he a no bunch of assists at least. At
0: least in fantasy, season. he was good. I don't know if defensively it was, but Tottenham were winning right. a bunch of games that he was playing in, so. We, re- we
1: record the fantasy football podcast after this half year. Going to save that for then. Um, but I, I mean, ultimately, the loss here, we were saying before we recorded the podcast, to put it into perspective, it doesn't mean anything now. Uh, like At the time, you could have thought uh, this is a terrible result for Tottenham, especially after looking pretty good against City just the other day, albeit losing, but going through in the Champions League. You would hope as Tottenham to get like a draw out of this, while uh, your rivals are all playing seemingly easier games, so uh, of course Manchester United got like blown off the field by Everton. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, the same with uh, Arsenal losing at home to Crystal Palace, uh, Chelsea only getting a draw at home against Burnley. Ultimately, it means nothing. Tottenham still sit in third. They have a much easier schedule than I think Chelsea and United for the run into the, uh, for the season and. You know, Arsenal, it'll be neck and neck between them and Arsenal probably in terms of like the favorites to get top four now. So uh, let's move on to a few of the uh, rest of the games from Saturday. Uh, Fulham got their second win in a row after uh, getting relegated mathematically, winning 1-0 at uh, Bournemouth with a mutual penalty in the 53rd minute. Huddersfield uh, fell at home to Watford, losing uh, 2-1. Watford had a brace from Gerard Delefeu, uh, won the second goal. I don't know if you saw it, but it was... Eerily similar to uh, the kind of finish that he had against uh, Wolves a few weeks ago. It was probably a little bit easier. It wasn't as difficult as the the Wolves finish, but uh, it was to make it 2-0 in the 80th minute. Just like perfectly curved it around the keeper from uh, outside to the left. Uh, and then uh, Carlin Grant got the uh, only goal for Huddersfield in the game to make it 2-1 in the 93rd minute. Uh, West Ham drew Leicester 2-2. Andrew got this score prediction right. We told you guys there'd be goals in this game. Mikel Antonio scored in the 37th minute before uh, Jamie Jamie Vardy uh, equalized in the 67th minute. Former Arsenal man Lucas Perez making a shock appearance in this week's uh, score sheet in the 82nd minute to put West Ham 2-1 ahead. And then uh, Harvey Barnes with, I think, his first goal for Leicester since coming back from his loan. Uh, he's an interesting one. I think we've mentioned him a couple times. He's like 21 or 22, was on loan at West Brom for the first half of the season and recalled from his loan uh, in January. And he's he's looked good, but been kind of wasteful so far. So it's, it's nice to see him getting uh, important goals right at the death in uh, games against, let's face it, mid-table rivals for Leicester. So... Points shared there. Uh, The points were also shared in Wolves and Brighton's nil-nil game. Newcastle beat Southampton in the last game of Saturday uh, behind a wasy Perez. That was was actually a pretty big, pretty big away point for Brighton because it sure. I mean, we'll get to Brighton. Well, I was going to save the Brighton chat for the Tottenham Brighton uh, Tuesday game that we'll uh, discuss in a minute here. But usually, I don't usually heap praise on the nil nils. (laughs) Uh, Yes, so Newcastle beat Southampton 3-1 at home behind a hat-trick from Iose Perez. Uh, Mario Lamina also had a, uh, I wouldn't say a screamer, but a uh, nice goal in the 59th minute. Now let's get to Sunday. I will say the shock result of the weekend, even more so than you guys losing to Crystal Palace. Uh, we'll get to why that happened I don't in a I don't second. Think but...
0: Us losing to Crystal Palace was a shock after you saw the starting lineups, but
1: right—that's what I was going to. That's what I was going to say once we got to that game. But th- so this Everton four-nil thumping of Man United, uh, while at home, was still kind of a shock because United have a lot to play for. Still, they'd obviously just been knocked out of the Champions League uh, at Barcelona in midweek, the week before. Yeah, but to come I out them and basically to look toothless. To make paint them to look completely toothless. I'm, I picked they had them to no win shots on target in the first half. I'm embarrassed. I'm totally embarrassed. I mean, I tried to tell you that they've been playing like absolute shit. Yeah, they're the last absolute month. dog shit. Now I'm off their but train. But I didn't think this was going to happen. I, I I picked them to have, to draw two two. That was my that was my like slip up for them.
0: Right. And instead of that, they barely get a shot on target. Hey, it makes us feel and, better, right? Yeah. We, I only, we only lost one 0 You guys only lost two 0 They lost four 0 we're not a shit. We're all shit, but they're more shit. I mean, they're the biggest uh, they pile had, of if shit. If they had
1: been clinical enough against you guys, they probably would have won that like three or four nil. They were just a little bit more clinical. Yeah, you're right.
0: Game. Yeah, they probably. They would. had some really good chances. They had, in that I think, Arsenal like game. three, two point eight expected or three expected goals against us. So yeah, I think they they should have definitely scored way more.
1: If Theo Walcott is finishing his one on one chances, then you've been you've probably been shit and deserve to lose. So uh, I did watch this one. I didn't really watch it with a tactical. Eye in mind because there wasn't really much to watch from United. People have been talking about uh, like the fan reaction to the game more so they, than they have been talking about the actual game. But outside of like the obvious ones, like Pogba not really showing up and Lukaku, and I mean Rashford looked pretty pretty bright, but just
0: Fred was absolute garbage. That's, that's
1: where I was going to go next. I was going to oh, say that guy
0: was so Fred, bad
1: in the for first a half. player you spent fifty million plus on. I can't think of a game here where I have thought this was a good performance by Fred. I've thought of like moments in some games where he's maybe scored or something like that or had a nice tackle and triggered a a counterattack or something, but never like a full 90 90 minutes. And I was one of those people who kept saying, like, all right, guys, let's wait on Fred. He might still come through. But, I mean, Mourinho couldn't make him work, and he signed him. And uh, Ole Gunnar Solciar has been, like, forced to play him in some of these games because of the uh, Herrera and Matic injuries. And he's just, there's just been no improvement. It's really, it's unforgivable at this point. And there's plenty of other names you can pick out. Where do United go from here? How do you bounce back from this and play your biggest rivals on Wednesday night? I guess I should just wait for the the preview to talk about that. Well, well,
0: the the other thing was that like, I mean, David De Gea, he's been, let's face it, since the World Cup, he's been very underwhelming. Seems like his confidence yeah, has been shot since then, and yeah, he still makes like some big saves here and there. But the, the defending is terrible, Javier. Like at some point, you gotta think. I thought the Gea was at the, four, the guy for had a few the best.
1: The guy had the best defensive record as a for a goalkeeper in the league last year. But like they they came in second for a reason because their defense was pretty good for the majority of last season.
0: And then I was a little. And bit, now this season, with I was many a of the little bit players, confused it's not the same. by the uh, by the changes in the game too. You know, he didn't bring on Mata. Or Sanchez, while well, they were down two nil at halftime. I mean, you, that's why you have those players, right? I mean, is Alexis Sanchez that bad that he they like? I mean, I don't know. I think they they probably should have brought him on. It it, it just feels like if you have a player worth that's you're being paying him five hundred thousand pounds, you can't keep that guy on the bench and then bring on like Ashley Young and Scott McTominay instead. I don't know. It just even Juan Mata McTominay
1: actually looked okay. Yeah, like, but even Juan Mata, he didn't look like, he, like
0: you can't, like, he didn't bring on Mata Lingard or Sanchez. He brought on McTominay, Pereira, and Young. Like, was that just to like loo- They didn't want to lose six nil. I mean, what the hell?
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was to keep. I think it was to keep them from losing three or four nil, which obviously that didn't happen. But I will say the third goal, if VAR is there, that's shocked off because Kurt Zuma was pretty offside and he was pretty clearly blocking Day's vision when Dinier hit that. So. You know, maybe it ends 2 0, but all the same, it was 4 0, I think, with 30 minutes to play, and just nothing happened. Like, obviously, the game was wrapped up, but there wasn't even like a push to get a consolation from United. I I just thought many of the same things about United that I saw when we lost 4 0 at Bournemouth earlier in the season, you know? It's just you just kind of accept your your fate and it's kind of understandable as like a neutral observer. You 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 see a game's 4-0 and no matter how good the team that's losing is, you just kind of think to yourself, oh, well, they're probably not getting back into this. But you like to think that the players on the field have at least some professional pride to make it 4-1 or 4-2, make it a bit like a little bit nervy, but I guess not. I mean, there's still so much to play for for this United team. They still have these huge games against Manchester City and Chelsea, which we'll uh, get to in the uh, later in this pod and later this week. Um, but yeah, this certainly doesn't help. Let's move on to uh, the second game of Sunday that we're going to talk about. Arsenal lost 3-2 at home to Crystal Palace. A shock result from first glance, but Javier, as you just mentioned a couple minutes ago. It was a set of very, very... Interesting lineup choices from Unai Emery. Is interesting the right word? (laughs) Or just plain
0: straight up wrong? It was just wrong. God damn it, Unai. You had one job. One job in this game. You just needed to not play like four garbage players at the same time. Like you can play two, maybe. maybe, Like two tops as a rotation here. But you can't play Mustafi, Mavropanos, El Neni. Jenkinson and then make when like the like one player around Creative all those midfielder. guys tying that together. Are you kidding me? Like that's absolute shit. Like of course oh, I saw that and I was just like what is going on? What is this lineup? Like I thought we were going to get destroyed as soon as I saw a lineup. I, I I just I knew So the first thing that comes to mind. First thing I said the, is we're going to lose the, the first half. This. We're going to be down like one or two nil in the first half and I have to come back. I so as soon as we went down, when like, yeah, yeah, of course. All right, what a waste of time. The the first half actually was an absolute waste of time. It was just like well, let me let me let me
1: play. mention the goal scorers real quick. Uh, the first goal was scored 17 minutes in by Christian Benteke, his first goal in almost a year. He's missed so many sitters in that time. Absolutely and he decides terrible to pop up. defending. Just. <laughs> Uh, Ozil equalized in the 47th minute which I actually thought was a really nice Arsenal move the Lacazette threaded ball through to Ozil and the really calm finish Ozil had at the near post I don't know that was pleasant to watch Uh, but I watched that knowing that Arsenal later would go down uh, 2-1 behind a Wilfred Zaha goal in the 61st minute that was perhaps the worst defensive mistake you'll see in the Premier League this year Um, it's between that and Trippier's own goal against Chelsea um, for me uh, and then James McArthur made it 3-1 in the 69th minute before Aubameyang made it nervy for the last 13 minutes, uh, scoring in the 77th minute. So this is obviously a disappointing result considering it's home and uh, Arsenal have one of the best home records in the Premier League. And Crystal Palace are just on the outside of a relegation battle. They've just like locked up there. I think that this result actually fully confirmed uh, they're safe. So, I mean, that's what they were playing for but you'd still expect to win this game. But there's, there's two huge games either side of it and pretty close to it in terms of the Napoli away game last Thursday and the Wolves away game to come this Wednesday that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. Like How many, how many of the players that featured in both those Napoli and will likely feature in the Wolves game do you think could have doubled up and played this game also?
0: Well, what I'm confused is Lauren Cascelli's now played five games in a row. He's 33 years old. And he came back coming from coming off a big injury. An eleven month injury. How can he play five games in a row? But Nacho Monreal, Lucas Torreira, Anzi Mighton and Niles, they can't play two games in a row? I, I don't understand it. Jaco is Xhaka still injured? Jaco, I think, picked up a little injury and I'm guessing he'll be back for uh this game Wednesday, I hope, but I think he wasn't even on the bench. But I was just very confused that None of these players could play, and as soon as you know halftime came, he took off Mavropanos, took off Jenkinson, you know, put on uh, Maitland Niles and Iwobi. We switched to a back four, and we played really well. We got the equalizer, like I said, two minutes later. And then the tide of the game changed. We were attacking them. We were super threatening. They they didn't look like they were going to get a, an equalizer at all. And then, like you said, just one of the biggest defensive... I mean, our sails were flying high. We got the equalizer. We were raining down pressure. And then a long ball that Benteke heads down and maybe like 30 yards from the goal. Not a difficult defensive play to deal with at all. It wasn't like a particularly hard header to defend, or it wasn't that Zaha made an amazing run or anything. Mustafi just didn't run after the ball, puts his back into Zaha... Which is a you foul, try like shield him. right? Tries to like shield the shield ball, but the ball's like five ball. yards in front of Mustafi at this point. They're also in acres of space. The acres of space, right? The, if the like goalie that's, runs that's out, he's in complete no not like man's like other land. people around
1: you, like, and it's hard to get around the player. There's just he, Zaha could just step around him. He's already pa- <sighs> pacier <sighs> and more athletic than Mustafi. He just ghosted around him and scored. And just one on and, one. And, one and, hit and on he
0: had the audacity to blame Lennon. Yeah, that's screaming him saying, "Oh, why didn't you come out?"
1: It's of just, the shit what? milkshake that he just decided to turn around and blame Leno for his terrible mistake, for just, his own terrible mistake.
0: You could see that all of the players were shaking their heads, put their heads down. Like it was, it took the wind out of our sails. And then after that, they got the third goal. It was, it was like, I mean, you could see it. It drained the whole stadium, it angered everybody. You know what I mean? The whole crowd, the whole team was suddenly like, what the fuck just happened? We were playing so well. We changed, flipped the entire narrative of the first half, and one defensive massive fuck up. And it and it wasn't. It's just not. It hasn't been one with Mustafi. It's been like five or six this year, where he's just had <laughs> yeah, horrible I'll raise mental you. It's lapses. It's been
1: more than five or six, and he's been doing this for years. And I, and I would say the one and, and the, the other, one positive you can take out of this is that if there were any Arsenal fans left who thought maybe he still has a future at the club they're definitely off that bandwagon now like I think the allure of him like playing like, or like, being like even a bench player for that 2014 German national team he was like 22 he was considered one of their next bright young things to play for Germany got his move to Valencia didn't really work out got his move to Arsenal played well like at first but like after the first like half season that he played there amazingly He's been pretty bad for a long time since then. It's been, what, like three or four years?
0: Yeah, I think this is his third
1: year, so. It, it's unforgivable. At least you know he has to be moved on at this point uh, um, this summer.
0: Uh, I was going to mention also El Elneny. Uh, there was another just absolutely shameful play after we went down 2-1. And, I mean, again, if you see this as an as a Arsenal player, like I, I thought about this today. Like if you see the starting lineup and you're Obama Yang and Lacazette and you see Carl Jenkinson, El Neni, Mavrapanos, Mustafi, aren't you just like, fuck Unai? Like th- I have to play with all these guys? They're on the B team always. Why do what? Like wouldn't let's, you be buttered let's, let's flip
1: shit That let's reverse <sighs> that. If you're the Palace line, if you're
0: Wilfred Zaha, right, and you're you see looking Elneny at El Neni and Mavrapanos you're and Mustafi,
1: right? You, you, your mouth is just watering with like, oh, I'm gonna Bentec is like, <laughs> I can couple. get a
0: goal for the first time in 30 games. Let's go. Jenkinson's gonna play me <laughs> onside. Can you tell I'm pissed about this game? Like, I was yeah, yeah, so I livid. Tell. I was so livid at the end of this game because we had the game in our hands. Like, we easily could have won it. The Palace didn't play that well. It wasn't like Palace like, came and they they deserved to get three goals and they outplayed us off the pitch. Like, no. We just gave them the game. All three of the, fair, of the goals were to errors. To be fair,
1: they did something similar to City. Maybe not with City making
0: huge mistakes, but Palace, they had that in them. They have this... We didn't concede they a penalty. Have this chip on their shoulders. And, and then the referee. I mean, I have to mention it again. They, this has happened like... Who was the referee? Yeah, the referee was John Moss. And there was a very clear penalty call in the first half where... Uh, wan was in the box and Kolasinic put in a cross and his hands yeah. were like completely extended from his body. It wasn't like, it wasn't the case where like, you know, it was a clear, it, were, it was like, you know, 50-50 or something. No, like his hands were clearly extended out of his body and it blocked a cross that was going into the into a dangerous area. And John Moss just doesn't call it. And uh, again, just things like that, that if EAR had been in, in, in existence, I, this game wouldn't have gone the way it, it, it went, but... I'm not going to use this as an excuse. It was Emery, and it was Mustafi's fuck up. You know, this puts doubt in my mind about Emery. Before this, I was—I'd only seen maybe like one or two games that he'd done this. In the Everton game, I was upset that he started El Neni Gweduzy, but I thought, okay, get a few more injuries work. and suspensions to
1: contend. Right, with. Right, exactly. Game. This so game I, was just exactly. pure rotation.
0: I—I I, th- I had excuses in that one. There was there was reasons for it. This one. I could only think of, yeah, maybe he wanted to rotate them for the Wolves game. And unless we go out and beat Wolves, then it's this isn't going to have been worth it at all, his rotation here. If we go out and we, we dominate and we beat Wolves and we look good, maybe this is OK. We're probably still going to make top four. But he's taking a huge gamble on what he did this game. And let's see if it pays off.
1: So an explanation for Emery's, uh, I guess, slip-ups in his team choice, I think, it might be something that you and I talked about uh, off-air briefly after these results happened over the weekend, where I've noticed it with Sarri this season, and I think this is an example for uh, Unai. Sometimes they just look at the table, and they use the table because they're not as familiar with the league, uh, perhaps, and they use the table to kind of base their, how serious they are uh, with any particular game. And I, I've, I've personally, I've caught like the Chelsea players who they have no excuse for that. They, they should know that you can't take anyone uh, or you can't not take anyone seriously in the Premier League. But even they've been caught doing it and it kind of dr- trickles down from the manager. And I think the manager playing such a, I don't want to say a patchwork team that Unai chose because it was all players in like their right positions. But it was just like, the, it was just bad players. It was just the worst players in in multiple different positions. By the way, guess who? Guess guys. who
0: are starting? Uh, guess who was starting in the back line when we lost to Palace a couple years ago, three <laughs> 0 Tell me. Skudra Mustafi, Gabriel, El was in the midfield. Ozil. We had we had Walcott then, but oh man, yeah, it's not, not, great. not I mean, great. Well,
1: yeah, at least it makes it clear to you who needs to be uh, just sort of axed. Right, from we've already axed. axed if it Walcott, wasn't clear already. Gabriel
0: is gone. We just we need to get rid of the Mustafi. The El the yeah. yeah,
1: we'll
0: be we'll be good next oh. year.
1: All right, well, we'll see how that pans out. Uh, let's move on to Liverpool, who won two 0 away from home uh, at Cardiff. Andrew got this result correct. Uh, Genie Wijnaldum scored in the 57th minute off a corner kick before James Milner sealed the result with a penalty in the 81st minute. Andrew wanted us to mention <laughs> the uh, the supposed hull- hullabahoo. Or, uh, the supposed troubles? dive from
0: Salah, I mean, he obviously... Like, well,
1: no, there's there's been people... Andrew's ang- uh, Andrew's annoyed about people reacting Sala to the Salah penalty. Yeah. But I, I'm here to say I agree with both the the horde of people who hate Salah's diving, and I agree with Andrew. Both things can be true. Salah has t- had more of a tendency to dive this season. We saw it like last week against Chelsea. Like the first 10 minutes, he tried to dive for a penalty. And it was actually a miracle he didn't get a yellow card for it. I it's pretty much only because he was at home that he didn't get a yellow card for it. Uh, and he's done it multiple other times this season. Sometimes it's been more convincing than not. But I think in this instance, uh, Morrison pretty clearly has his arms wrapped around uh, Sala, like he's about to take a prom picture with him. And Sala just <laughs> turned him. So like Salah like, Sala was trying to like beat use him. his physicality right. to push him back. Right. And after a while, he just kind of had to go... I mean you're literally manhandling me. I have to go down at some point and he won the penalty for it. And the Cardiff players act like act like it was the worst call ever. I didn't understand like maybe no, they, maybe not. they didn't see his arms right. wrapped around solid but you just as someone who's played defense before even if you're bigger than the guy, that's no excuse to put your arms around him. You have to keep your arms to your side and at least like up in like the air a little bit or something to keep your own balance. But once you start making contact, you're asking for a penalty to be called. Otherwise, I think this game was pretty uh, on the money in terms of how we all thought it would go. Uh, it was pretty contentious up until Liverpool scored that first goal early in the second half. Um, and then from there, you, you kind of had an idea that Cardiff... Wouldn't really be able to make anything of it. But um, I will say there was one glaring miss from Sean Morrison. He had a free header off a corner. And when he leaned forward to head the ball in, it went over him and hit his back and hit like the top of his back and went out. Yeah, man. i been telling you, he's, he's
0: real threatening on set pieces. When you watch him, he's one of those guys yeah. that just like he could score. I'm saying it was week. a
1: terrible miss, Javier. It was a I terrible was miss, a terrible but he could have scored.
0: He should have scored. In another dimension, In another maybe dimension he scores he that, and have Liverpool have dropped points. But like, <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure Liverpool are going to win out this season. And if they win out, they're going to finish with 97 points. But guess what? That might not be enough. Well, that would, listen, that would be the th- fourth most points. That a team has ever gotten in the Premier League, and it would not be a title-winning total. But I read today, I read today that as painful as that would be, would isn't that the best way to lose the title, knowing that like you guys absolutely like gave everything for it, or like do do you still think like they bottled it because they were four points ahead going into the City game?
1: You're debating semantics at that point. it doesn't feel as bad if Liverpool like go on and win the Beats League or something, but they fall just short in the Premier League. Here's, here's the God's honest truth: to, uh, that at the end of the day, that has to be considered. We won't know how this season uh, is is going to fare for Liverpool and what what the public opinion of the season will be until we see a few more years down the line of this Klopp project. If they come back and win the league next year, this this season is just kind of like a. Like a blip, like a they were unlucky. They it's just an asterisk at the bottom of their of their the rest of their accolades. And it's it's not too far off to think Liverpool would invest further this summer and try and go for like a a league and champions league double for what they've done in both competitions recently. So you know, in the moment it might feel completely like a like a sucker punch, but we've got years and years of this clock project to go. It's not really anywhere close to like the coming to fruition. You know, there's still a lot of places that they can improve, which is probably the scariest part to me. Um and, and Liverpool fans, you can you can thank me later. I I'll, my Venmo is AS moss 92 <laughs> Help a brother out. <laughs> all right, uh do you have anything else to talk about for this game or do you want to move on to the shit show that was Monday night? Well, uh Chelsea, uh, after all of their rivals for top 4 uh, lost their games, uh, they just had to beat Burnley at home, and instead they conceded eight minutes in oh, uh, before uh, taking the Fuck lead. You, well, Chelsea. Uh, well, Jeff Hendricks scored in the eighth minute for Burnley uh, before N'Golo Kante in the twelfth minute and Gonzalo Higuain in the fourteenth minute gave Chelsea the lead right back. Uh, and then the scoring was completed by Ashley Barnes in the twenty-fourth minute, and the game was seen out defensively by Burnley uh, to get them the point they need to get to forty points and pretty much confirmed their safety this season. Chelsea started with a lineup that, uh, apart from Higuain, when I first saw it, I was pretty happy with it. Uh, Calm Hudson-Odoi continued on the right wing. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek on the le- um, like the left side of midfield. Attacking-wise, I'll say that the game kind of went off the rails once Calm Hudson-Odoi had that injury near the end of the first half, and N'Golo Kante was injured in the first half and had to come off. That I was saying to you, like as it happened... Once that right wing for us was kind of uh, flipped from Conte, Callum hudson Odoy, and Azpilicueta working the defense there to Mateo Kovacic and Pedro and Azpilicueta, it kind of neutered any sort of creativity and like punch in behind that we had on that wing and kind of unsettled things in terms of the like attacking balance. Then we had to start working everything back over to the left, which admittedly, is like our stronger wing with Hazard and Emerson and Loftus-Cheek playing there. But Burnley were able to kind of load up on that wing. And any time we were, were trying to rotate it back to the right or switch the play back over to the right, Pedro or or Kovacic, just, they just didn't have the quality to take advantage. It was, it was a frustrating second half. Um, and I, I didn't mention before that that injury for Hudson-Odoi ends his season. It was a ruptured Achilles, which will keep him out for a couple months, which is... Really disappointing for uh, the qualities that I just mentioned that he like brings to our team. But I, I don't see why Willian and Pedro, two very experienced, fairly talented players, can't look at the example that a younger player is setting in hudson O'Doy and being unselfish, working his ass off the ball to try and get him behind and create spaces for his teammates and create opportunities for his teammates. I don't hey, see why Pedro those two had players had two goals can't and just, an
0: assist in Europa League on Thursday against Slavia Prague. Yeah, and you I mean, guys barely won that. So, I mean, no, we won by two goals. We won 5-3. It was it was pretty easy. are saying the game was 4-3, so you needed those goals and assists from Pedro. Sorry, I'm
1: thinking I'm thinking on the uh, I'm thinking total. I mean, it was it was it was the second half of a two-leg game. <laughs> You know, we were up 5-1 and it became 5-3. Like, whatever. Big deal. We won the game. It wasn't that close. People talk about... But
0: let's... Appreciate. Burnley is safe now with that point. So, you know, that's yeah. job done for them. And it, it was a great performance from them. I'll give credit to them for yeah, sure. Honestly, a great comeback from them. I wasn't willing to them. just
1: say that we would just wipe them off the field. So like, the injuries obviously helped them. The injuries that we suffered uh, obviously helped them. But... I feel like we're a deep enough team that we should be able to overcome that and instead in the second half another thing I noticed as soon as those uh, as soon as Hudson-Odoi and Kante went off is once we started getting frustrated by Burnley's low block, we started like insisting on like fizzing crosses in. It wasn't there, man. Like, why are you trying to beat Burnley at their game? Keep the ball on the floor. Keep the one touch, like fast passing with the ball on the floor. And open them up that way. Get the Draw them out to the wings. It just it for wasn't months, happening. I, I didn't and agree gave with uh, Higuain
0: coming off. I thought that he actually, this might have been his best game for Chelsea. Well, I think that's why Higuain came off. He wanted Giroud on to try and
1: get on the end of those aerial balls. I guess. But we like, why would for some. Like it was, I I would I didn't want us to do that I was very frustrated by it uh, But yeah, we weren't able to beat Burnley At their own game, they held on uh, to the draw To keep their safety And uh, we threw away another chance
0: By the to way, Burnley, really shout out to position. them They are time waste gods I mean, they're yeah, so good they actually at just are. like credit, Wasting credit uh, Tom time And like, Heaton, faking Tom injuries Tom got and
1: booked for time wasting In the 34th minute <laughs>
0: Yeah, just, that's how committed to the craft. Yeah, they were they are. very committed. Once it was two-two, you could tell that they were just like, oh, all right, we're shutting up shop. Like, we're not going to open ourselves up again. Chelsea are going to score two or three if we do." So back to back to a uh, defensive Burnley, low block, and yeah, it, it worked. So that's it for uh, th- this week's
1: uh, recaps. Uh, we've got a couple games to preview, uh, two really stand out, but we'll uh, just mention that Tottenham will play, play Brighton uh, Tuesday, 2.45 p.m. Uh, we'll, we're going to do predictions uh, for this one so that we uh, have more opportunities to overtake Javier, who's uh, still currently ahead in the prediction table, 18 points. Andrew uh, got plus one for last week, and he's up to 16. Uh, and I've got 13. I'm pretty much out of it. But, you know, so try and make it as interesting as possible. We'll catch up to Andrew uh, if you go uh, win, 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 win? Yeah. yeah, maybe, but I haven't gotten a point in a week for a while now. <laughs> I've been kind of mailing it in since the uh, inevitable became became reality. Uh, So let's start with Tottenham and Brighton, Tuesday at 2.45. Andrew's got 2-0 Tottenham. I've got 3-0 Tottenham. And Javier, you've got 2-0 Tottenham uh, along with Andrew. Uh, This is a huge game for Brighton. After this, they do have Newcastle at home. But uh, after that Newcastle home game, they will have, I believe... Uh, Liverpool and Manchester City and Arsenal sorry Arsenal and Manchester City then. right because <laughs> Manchester City is their last game at home yeah uh, they don't know so. they
0: have away Arsenal and I think home city so so I mean
1: but this Tottenham game uh, Tottenham coming off a loss of their own still fighting for top four will be obviously gunning to win this and you would assume they will win this but do you give any chance to Brighton
0: I mean, no, I think they'll make it nervy. I think they'll keep it close in the first half. But I just, I think uh, Mora and Son are both on really good form right now, and Tottenham are going to have a lot of confidence going into this game, especially at their new stadium, which they've been impeccable so far there. So, have they conceded a goal there yet? No, not that I know of. No, yeah, they haven't. They haven't conceded a goal there yet. Which, like, again, I until they concede and lose there, I'm gonna think that they have magic there and that they have some hoodoo. So. I'm. We all assume that they're going to win the rest of their home games the rest of the season. So I think that's kind of why this will be a pretty easy one. But I do think because of the stakes for Brighton, I think they'll do everything they can to to keep this close. So that's why I only have it being 2-0, not you know 3 or 4. OK. Uh, well, let's move on to the second game of Tuesday. Uh, Watford will host Southampton.
1: Uh, also at 245. Andrew's got a 2-2 draw. I've got a 3-1 win for Watford, and Javier's got a 2-1 win for Watford. Wednesday, there's two games going on at pretty much the same time, but uh, the first one to kick off will be Wolves hosting Arsenal at 245. Uh, this is a game that we've had kind of circled on the calendar for a while now uh, when looking at Arsenal's uh, fixtures, because the Everton one, it looked difficult. Watford uh, away also you... was like, that was the other yeah, one Watford that we were away. like, okay, that one, that one Arsenal are probably going to tire to lose. We all agreed that the Palace one wasn't a fixture that we were really worried
0: about. But
1: because they drop points in that game, that now makes this one a, I mean, a all huge of the games, cup. The this is a season, cup final a must, for us. Must win. Massive, Everyone's playing yeah. must-win games.
0: Everything's a must-win now. So, I mean, my theory that two teams can't have good performances against us other than City was just destroyed because we've only taken one point from Palace. Uh they were able to It was a another. dumb theory anyway, Javier. Yeah, well, you know, they got lucky. They theory. got lucky with the 3-2. We sh- we actually should have won that game. VAR and Javier, uh, Javier we talked being a radical. It was a dumb the theory? and we win that game.
1: Javier, we talked about why it was a dumb theory and it's because you can play a completely different team in the first half of the yeah, season from the one that's you true. play they in the second half. can be much better. But their manager can change, the lineups can change, but they thankfully, can buy players. I think and sell this Wolf players. team
0: is very, very similar to the team that we played earlier this year and had a lot of trouble I with. I think they're better. They're I probably they're better. better. They're better, but so are we. I think we're all out. Diogo lot Jota too.
1: is much more up to up to speed on uh, on the Premier League now. I, I think to start the year and during that time when they drew you guys 1-1 at the Emirates, he wasn't really like fully integrated and in scoring goals and uh, linking up with Jimenez as well as he is now I think that's a th- I mean with your strongest lineup even I still think that's a huge threat for you guys
0: yeah I think it's uh it's probably as big as a threat as uh, as Napoli posed to us or maybe as Valencia is gonna pose to us in, in the Europa League this is gonna be a team that around that level and it's I mean it's gonna be a good test I, but I feel like if we if what Emery wanted to do which was rest a bunch of his players off in the weekend thinking he'd get a, a home win, With a bunch of rested players, then, you know, let's see see what he can do in this Wolves game. You know, I'm every single time this season that there's been like a massive must win game, like one like where it's been like, okay, if you win this game or if you don't win this game, it could fuck up our entire season. Emery's won it so far. When there's been games that have had a little bit less pressure on them, like, oh, you win this and you'll just take a nice little jump in the table, that's when we've messed up. When there hasn't been, like, as much pressure on the team and on the coach, we've slipped up in those situations. So, I'm but Can you argue that for Crystal Palace? That was, like, a must-win game? Yeah, I'm just saying for Arsenal, the the trend, I'm saying I think this, if that trend continues, then we'll you know, we'll, we'll really take this game seriously and hopefully play well and so win. I mean, I have Arsenal winning 2 more. What you're here. saying
1: is you, you don't think Arsenal are going to make uh, any sort of runs of bad form. It's going to be one game and bounce right back.
0: Yeah, especially Which because, is like, that's a
1: great quality to have. No, that's, and especially because the,
0: the, the in recent, especially in the last, you know, two or three months or so, we've been in really good form. The times that we've dropped off has been when we've had injuries, suspensions you know had to play Kwadwo Asamoah in the midfield you know we've lost to Everton lost do to it. <laughs> you know also not having Socrates it's been another big one you know him being suspended for two games you know with 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 a yellow card suspension it's 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 hurt us, you know. I thought I didn't think I thought he was only suspended for one game, and I thought he would play in that in that well in that last game, but you know he didn't. I mean, you got to stay, big...
1: stay more on top of your yeah, Arsenal I definitely do. Uh, news and stuff. Like you have the, the the Lucas Torreira one at Arsenal that you thought he was going to be, or at Everton that you thought he was going to be back for. You got to stay more on top of that, man. This the stuff is important. You guys can't like last. Yeah, without but your I, best I, couldn't, I
0: couldn't predict Lenny starting in this one. That was just. But anyway, I think we'll have our full. There's something close to a full lineup against Wolves. Hopefully, Shaka Torreira in the midfield. Uh, I don't think Ramsey's going to be back. He's still uh, injured, which is definitely going to be a big miss for us in this final stretch of the season. But Ozil seems to be playing at least decently. Uh, you know, he was rested in the last couple of games. Didn't play in the Europa game against Napoli, and then he played okay in this last game. But you know, we we need another big performance from him and. Yeah, no Mustafi, no Elneny, please. Just don't even... (laughs) Don't put them on the bench. They're not even going to be on the bench, and we'll be fine. I think we'll get through this game. I I, I understand that Wolves are going for seventh place, but... Yeah. Fuck that. With, like, with very
1: big quotes. Right. But they're on, they're on like a poor run of form themselves. Right.
0: And I don't think that they're going to like go out of their mind to try and prevent us from winning this game. I think Palace had more to play for than Wolves <laughs> I, do.
1: I think, I think you're hoping for a lot there.
0: I think yeah. Maybe I am. Maybe they're I'm be being optimistic, absolutely trying but... to get back on
1: track. They just drew Brighton at home, which is basically a loss for a team like them. Uh, and you know, as we've mentioned many times in this podcast, they absolutely relish any chance to go against. Uh, the Premier League's elite teams, and they've got a very good record against most of them. Uh, so, the, the most yeah, interesting thing about this game—the the most interesting thing stylistically about this game—is the fact that these are two teams that have pretty much looked at their best, or at least scored their best goals uh, off the counterattack with very quick uh, vertical movement off one of their opponents giving away the ball in Arsenal or Wolves's half. They break very, very quickly, and, and both of them have uh, forward pairings that partner with each other very well. Jimenez and Jota are probably the best forward partnership outside of the top six, and Aubameyang and Lacazette might be the best partnership inside the top six. I don't want to have that debate now, but, you know, I'm just mentioning they're two very good front two pairings. I think it might that might lead to an end-to-end game, and that's why I have 2-2. Uh, Andrew's got a 2-1 win for Wolves, and uh, Javier, you've got a 2-1 win for Arsenal. So we couldn't be more split on this game. Uh, but we all have a a pretty decent, close, uh, entertaining game. I, are you going to be watching this one over Manchester City, Man United? Yeah. Is that a dumb question? No, I'm definitely watching this one over Man City, Man United. Are you watching both? I'll are you gonna probably be able try to watch and watch both. both. I'll try. Okay, well, let's get to that May United-Man City game. Wednesday, 3 p.m., 15 minutes after Wolves' arsenal kicks off at 2.45. May United and City will kick off at Old Trafford. Uh, United obviously coming off that 4-0 thrashing at Everton, and Man City coming off that 1-0 win against Tottenham. It's, it's as simple as this. Manchester City, if they drop points here, they're probably not winning the title. Now, the good news is United are playing like dog shit. And City haven't lost at Old Trafford for a couple of years now. But this is football. And anything can happen. And there can be an injury or a red card. I don't care that there that this is the worst odds, betting odds, for United at home against Manchester City, I think ever. I think I think I saw somewhere that one of the one of the betting companies in England was hand, handing out like uh, I can't I can't I can't support this, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention it. But The betting odds are not in United's favor. They are very much underdogs at home in a game that they still have to win. They still have to win this to try and get top four. But by winning it, it could hand Liverpool the title. And, you know, there's a lot of questions that come with that. And I know a lot of United fans, I know, would rather see City win the title than than Liverpool. But at the same time, would, would United fans be okay if their team just came out and just looked... Terrible again And lost 2 or 3 nil To another one of their Biggest rivals
0: I kind of think uh No matter what happens This year United fans are just Going to say It was Mourinho's fault You know They're just, yeah. they're not going to Blame Solskjaer They're going to say We got to give they Solskjaer might up Mar- They might end up Blaming Mourinho And Pogba Yeah It's possible They what. might
1: all come out Of the season Completely scarred By what Pogba Did for a few games Of this season And then hasn't done At all Outside of those Like 8 to 10 games
0: yeah, you know? I mean, you got to think like maybe last year he might show up in this game like he did at the Etihad last year, and yeah, I don't know. He's he's won for sometimes for a big occasion, especially the Manchester Derby. So he might he might pop up here, but I have a two 0 win for City. I think it's going to be a pretty clear cut thing for them. I don't think United are going to produce that much offensively. They weren't able to produce that much against Everton. You know, I know they are at home with their fans and they missed some opportunities in the first half too, which before Everton scored, they looked like they could, they didn't have a shot on target, but they looked like they were a little bit dangerous, at least on the counterattack with Martial and Rashford. I think they have to do something similar in this game. They're going to have to sit back and soak up pressure and play on the counterattack. And they're going to have to play the Mourinho way. They're going to need a little bit of their, you know, soul shower flair, but... Yeah, I don't know. I think even getting a draw in this game is not good enough for them. They have to win this game. So, I don't I don't see it happening and I see I, I just see them not laying down for City, but putting up a fight in the first half and then maybe, you know, conceding two or three and then and then just shutting up shop and yeah, just maybe not looking forward to next season, but just thinking, well, you know, we kind of fucked it up earlier, and and now now is the time to this summer to to rebuild and and get get a lot of that garbage out of the club that that you've that you've identified at this point. If you're a Solskjaer. so I think it's just you you need to find positives if you're a United fan, and you gotta you gotta find positives if you're a United coach. You can't just like think it's all doom and gloom here, and you know he's still done a good job. To come back to this point, to give them a chance going into these last four games. That's pretty much all you can ask. I bet if you told a United fan in November, performer in your left, like you're gonna have a chance at to top four with four games left, they'd be like, deal. Like you made that you made the Champions League Final Eight. Great. Like that's not a bad season for them if they if they maybe if they fall a little short, but they were like ten points or twelve points back in November, so it's not that bad to be, you know, three points out right now. Even if they lose this game, it's I'm not going to be. Well, look uh, at
1: you, a yeah. Manchester United apologist. Never thought I'd see this. Yeah, I mean, I've
0: always been a little bit for them. You know, I'm always it's like,
1: think of the bigger picture, Alex. Definitely, definitely. definitely. Uh, on another note, there are rumors that uh, Mike Phelan, who's been the assistant to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and was famously one of uh, Alex Ferguson, Sir Alex Ferguson's assistants uh, back during the glory days. It's been rumored that uh, he's going to take up the technical director spot at United and be the uh, basically. GM making all the football decisions. If that's true, that's a step in the right direction for them. Putting someone with like a footballing brain and footballing knowledge, not like a businessman like Ed Woodward is, putting them in charge of deciding who's bought and who's sold and everything like that. To, to, yeah. to combine yeah, Woodward with needs Solskjaer. to be
0: Woodward needs to be kicked out. He gave Sanchez that five hundred well, no, no, thousand no, no, pound no. contract. Okay, because
1: Woodward. To be fair to him, he's had one of the most successful financial track records of any uh, executive in a big club. He's negotiated huge endorsement deals for them. Uh, the, the Chevy one, uh, one their kit deal, the uh, I think the, sorry that was the kit sponsor, but the kit deal itself with uh, Nike or whatever they have. They've all got like the best sponsorship deals in the world, or ones that rival like Real Madrid and Barcelona, and that's because of him. Like there is a certain there is a certain uh, positive to having those kinds of people in your club, but those people should be making those business decisions, not deciding whether you should.
0: Yeah, but who decided that or you needed to give Alexis Paul Sanchez Ponga? a half million pounds a week? That guy needs to be fired. <laughs> Ed Woodward. Yeah. Well, now look <laughs> No, on, he just now, needs to no, not now be making what's those happening. decisions. Now look what's happening. David De Gea says, well, I'm absolutely better than Alexis Sanchez, the guy who's sitting on the bench and not playing a game. So I should have 500K well, a week.
1: That's the point, Javier. He should, he should be allowed to make the business decisions that give them the money to throw around it and, and make those kinds of mistakes – but he shouldn't be in the position to make those mistakes with when it comes to the actual footballing decisions. That's just my viewpoint, and I think a lot of people share that. The you know Woodward is still uh, an asset to the club and very uh, a very big contributor. Just not. Yeah. Let's see what happens this summer in terms of deciding. Let's see what
0: happens. Let's see if uh, if the the trend of terrible signings continues, like you know Dallet and. Pereira and Dallas a good signing.
1: And, Dallas a good signing. Get out of here. I mean, um, they
0: haven't. None of them have been lighting the 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 league on fire. He's nineteen, dude. I, sure, I sure. he stand might good. For yeah, Dallas, Dallas might be good for a couple years. Uh, but let me finish
1: up with the uh, the score predictions for this game. Andrew's got a three one Manchester City win, which is dripping in reverse jinx, and uh, I will not have it. Uh, and uh, I've got a 2-1 Manchester City win Andrew's been picking draws for Manchester City For the past like three weeks I think he and realizes now all of a sudden, his fate now No, nah, he doesn't He's, he's reverse jinxing he's, he's, I know him yeah. I'll text yeah, him after this He'll confirm jinxing. to me He'll confirm to me on the record uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, that wraps it up For this extended Ghost Goal Pod recap Of the Premier League Enjoy the midweek games We'll be back later this week to uh, discuss a few of those results and get you ready for next weekend, which uh, sees a very big Manchester United Chelsea clash. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm hyped. I'm very hyped. Javier, thanks for coming on the pod. You can follow us on social media uh, at JavierRev9, uh, for myself, at ASMoss92 on Instagram and Twitter, uh, at Andrew Bissaro for all your Liverpool hot takes. Uh, and of course, at Ghost Gold Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Go rate, review, subscribe to the pod on iTunes. Uh, go check out the pod on uh, Anchor. Shout out to Anchor, who we've recently shifted over the hosting for our podcast to. Uh, go download their app and subscribe through uh, that app. And until next time, for you.